this is Metal Mike, and in this one, man, there's no more ballads. We do our top ten heavy hair and glam tracks. I'm joined by my new pal, Chad Jervich, and we go through it all, man. Chad was a producer on the I Wanna Rock documentary on Paramount+. Plus, Man, make sure you stream that because it rocks. So now it's time to bang your head and check this out. All right. Well, Chad, welcome to the 80s Glam Metalcast, man. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, no problem, dude. So it's funny, the past couple episodes we've had on this uh, show, we've been talking about ballads, you know? So I didn't want people to think we lost our edge, right? So we got to talk about (laughs) the heavy hair metal glam songs. Because basically, Chad, you could probably relate, a lot of these are snuck in. You know, a lot of the hair metal bands, you know, they did focus on like the pop metal stuff. But every once in a while, man, they put in a real fast one with a double bass or a real thrashy riff. What do you think? I think it sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> what, what did, you, did you like those kind of songs? It was a nice little, you know, nice little gem on the album when they did that. I did. You know, I will tell you, I, you know, look, I grew up in Iowa, and um, we, you know, we did not even have, we didn't have a music store. We had a Kmart and eventually a Walmart. <laughs> so, so my music, and obviously this was before the days of, of Spotify or YouTube or anything, but my music, um, I could only get from what was on the radio or like the few tapes that I could get at uh like Wal at Kmart or Walmart. And so so I I feel like I grew up kind of on uh uh on a very limited diet of of metal, of of glam metal and hair metal, but I loved it. I mean it was all all we listened to. But I, you know, it was it was sometimes hard for me to find bands, you know, lesser known bands or songs. And it wasn't until later that I was able to find them. Nice. Yeah, I totally understand that. You know, when I think of Kmart, you know, I think of like those KTEL metal mixes. I think I had one called Heavy Metal Thunder. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. When you said Kmart, I remembered that mix album that they had. Before we jump in, man, you're you're a executive producer uh, on the Paramount Plus special, I Want to Rock. So for those who haven't seen it, man, tell people why they need to watch it. Uh, well, so I Want to Rock is um, it's a three-part documentary on Paramount Plus, and it is basically it, it, it is it is a doc about the rise in the golden years of '80s rock and metal. But you know, I I, I produced it with other people with uh, the director Tyler Meesum and Rick Krim, who's a fantastic producer. And for the beginning, we did not want this to be your typical sex, drugs, rock and roll documentary. And so what we did is we basically follow five main characters, real life people. And each one of them has a very unique personal story that has never been told before. And so uh, we tell those stories for the first time in this in this doc. And they're kind of set against the backdrop of 80s rock and metal. And so the, the people we're following are Kip Winger, obviously from Winger, and Snake Sabo, the fine founding guitarist of Skid Row, uh, John Karabi, who, you know, isn't always a household name, but but for, you know, did one album with Motley Crue, which I have to say, I, I think is a very underrated album. Definitely. And uh, Vic, uh, Janet Gardner, who is the lead singer of Vixen, and Vicki Hamilton, who was, for a brief time, um, the manager of Motley Crue, Poison, and Guns N' Roses. She was kind of the first manager for each of those bands. And so we tell their stories set against the backdrop of 80s rock and metal. Yeah, man. You know, I watched this, and I loved it. And, you know, the cool thing about it is it's like when you think of the three installments, it's like the first part is kind of like the humble beginnings, you know, working your way up to the top. Then you get to the middle, 
they're on the top. And, you know, everything that went along with being successful in the 80s and early 90s. And then it's like the very end, we kind of get the, the fall off, right? You know, the, the, the scene gets bloated, grunge comes out. A lot of these people, their careers tanked. But then it's like they kind of, it ends on a happy note. Like they kind of level off, you know what I mean? And they kind of find, uh, you know, peace with who they were. So I loved it, man. It was so good. And I, I want to encourage people, as, as for a while, I kind of, I hadn't watched it because I think what happens in the society that we're in today is we get all these blips, you know, oh, I want to rock. I got to watch that. Oh, there's another one. You're know, like a squirrel, right? It's like, oh, I got to go do this. And, and sometimes you miss something. So that's one of those ones. Take the time, watch it. If, you, if you're into this stuff, you're going to love this because I know I loved it. Uh, well, thank you, Mike. We're super proud of it. it. Honestly, for me, having grown up listening to this music and still listening to it, um, it you know, and these were, it, it's definitely the most personal show I've ever worked on. And I will also say not only was it just very, you know, very personal and important to me, it was the most fun I've ever had working. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. On a show, I mean, it was literally a year of just meeting, interviewing, hanging out with all the people I used to worship in junior high and high school, going to shows, hanging out backstage. And and many of them have become close friends. Um, so it was... It was truly the, the best thing I've ever worked on. I'm so proud and happy of it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Everybody's got to check it out. And the funny thing was is that, you know, you told me that you were into this podcast, which is, was very flattering, but then that sometimes, like, if we talked about Kip Winger, you'd send him the, the minute mark to go listen to the 80s glam metal cast. So that just blew my mind. That was awesome. What's so funny is I was just listening to part two of the, of the, of the ballad list, and uh, when Ryan starts talking about about Winger, I was like, oh, my God, i got to send this to Kip. So <laughs> Kip is a good friend, and we text all the time. And so I'm always texting him stuff when I, when I hear you guys talk about him on the podcast. And oh, he dude. loves it. Yeah, we do. We, I mean, we, we focus on a lot of bands, but, but Winger's on lists. I, mean, I, I can't imagine there's a list where Winger doesn't pop up, whether it be the, the ballads, you know, the best of uh, 90, 93. You know, any year their, their albums came out, we always talk about Winger. So. Uh, well, that is awesome, and I let him know every time. And I'll, uh, I'll, uh, hopefully he'll be able to get on the show one of these days. That would be awesome. We just had Don Dockin. That kicked some major ass, so... I- <laughs> All right, man, you ready to jump into this list, or what? I can't wait to hear it. I am, I am. I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous. (laughs) All right. Well, let's just get into it, man. Heavy glam tunes. Let's hear your number 10. All right, so my number 10, Mike, and I feel like I need to to preface this a little bit because, look, I haven't done the show with you before. I haven't done the list. And, you know, you said the hardest, fastest, thrashiest, Rips we could find in glam metal. That's it. And so, so I was like, okay, I you know, look. Does that mean the criteria is is they have to be fast and hard and thrashy and good, or just the fastest, hardest, thrashiest riffs we can find? <laughs> and so I, I want to be very clear with this first one that that 
I, I do not necessarily think this is a good song. Okay. But I don't think it gets much faster, harder, and thrashier. But my number 10 is Bring It Down by Nitro. Off their first album, OFR. Nice. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, I'm so glad you said Nitro. I didn't do any Nitro, but I was thinking about Nitro because, right, very thrashy. But, yeah, tell, tell me your thoughts on this tune. Well, I, <laughs> I, this, song, this song is so insane. And, um, I, like, every time I hear Jim Gillette's voice, like, like, he hits these high notes, and I'm never sure if he's just hitting high notes or if he's actually good. Um, but, but but one of the things I also wanted to talk about with this song, and I'm, I don't know if you've seen it or not, um, and so I'll I'll send it to you, and I'm sure some of your listeners have seen it, but have you seen the Jim Gillette voice lesson that's on YouTube? I have watched some of that, yeah. I, yes, I have seen some of that video on YouTube, yep. Uh, I, it, to me, it is, it is one of the greatest hidden treasures on YouTube. I love it. And uh, I must have watched it a million times. Uh, but every time I listen to Nitro, I think about that. And uh, I don't know. To me, this song, it starts off so hard. It starts off so fast. I mean, Nitro's thing is they're hard and they're fast. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually into it, honestly. And then the vocals come in, and I, it's almost hard for me to take the song seriously anymore. <laughs> but I feel like it does not get any harder or thrashier than, than Nitro. That's awesome, man. I, I had Machine Gun Eddie uh, as an honorable mention, but, but Nitro didn't make my list. And one thing I just want to say quick about Nitros, I had both of these guys on the podcast before, and you know they really were say, saying that you know they were encouraged by their label to play out of control. So Rhino Records said, Michael, play as fast as you can. Jim, sing as high as you can and go out of control. And I, and I did enjoy it, but I knew I know what you're saying. Sometimes it's it's like a little bit much you know, a little bit overkill with what they do. That makes total sense to me. You know, Jim Gillette, before he was with with um, with Nitro, he was the lead singer of Tough. Yes. And then he left and Steve Rochelle came in. Yep. It's so funny because I feel like, you know, t- Tough does not get a lot of love. But I always loved, I mean, it, it, I, the first song I probably ever heard of theirs was I Hate Kissing You Goodbye. Yep. And I loved that song in high school. And I can remember hearing it for the first time and thinking that that, that, that chorus was so clever and when my kids were born and I used to have to like rock them to sleep or feed them, I used to sing that song to them all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I know Stevie would appreciate hearing that. That's awesome. All right, man. My number 10, I went with a, a pretty well-known one. And anyone who listens to the podcast know I'm not a huge fan of this band, but I can't deny the heavy riff when it kicks in. One was Skid Row, man. Piece of meat. Oh, um, nice. I think. Nice. I think you know. The, so a couple elements of like thrashy music, in my opinion, is a busy bass line. You know, hair model tends to not have busy bass. It's usually just kind of like strumming. But you know, if you listen to like Testament and, and Anthrax, the bass is always out of control following the guitar. The bass is very busy in Piece of Me, and I feel like once the guitar kicks in and plays that same riff. Very heavy riff, very thrashy sounding. Um, but you know what's weird, and, and you might find this in some of the songs you do, and I know it's in some of my songs, is that like there'll be a heavy riff, right? And then all of a sudden they'll bust into more of like a rocky part, like when it's one yeah. for the money, two for the show. You're like that's just more like just regular rock, and then they go back to the real heavy stuff. So it seems like 
with a lot of the songs that are on my list, they never, you know, had uh, wanted to go all the way, you know, like a heavy song all the way through, but they would have parts that are real heavy and then maybe a little bit more commercial. So that's what I got. Number 10, Piece of Me. Awesome, awesome. I love that song. And um, by the way, have you heard Skid Row's new album? I have sampled some of it. I haven't listened to it religiously, but from what I've heard, it does sound pretty good. It's pretty good. It's really good, actually. I was really impressed. You know, Snake is obviously one of the guys in the movie, and, yep. and I love him. He's a fantastic guy. But when I heard the new album, I I was blown away. Like I was like, oh, my God, they still got it going on. No, they definitely do, man. All right, number nine. All right, Mike, so my number nine, my number nine is from a band that, that is mostly known for their ballads, which is how I first found them. Um, but, but my number nine song is Steelheart by Steelheart. Okay. I don't know if I know this song. Okay. All right. Well, oh, my God. So, so look, I first came to Steelheart because the first song I heard of theirs was She's Gone and I'll Never Let You Go yep. came, after, came after that. And, and even most of their other songs were pretty regular speed kind of glam metal. But this song, Steelheart, which is actually off their second album, is so fucking fast. Um, and it tells a story. It's you know, it's 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 telling kind of a, a a a traditional metal story of this kid who's not getting along with his dad, and it's basically telling his dad to fuck off as he leaves to go out into the world. But the vocals, Mike's vo- vocals on this are so fast. It's like it's like Lin Manuel Miranda levels fast. It's like a metal version of Hamilton. Um, <laughs> and what also always kind of impresses me about this song is. But the story, story that it's telling, like I said, is not super original, but it has these moments of, of real kind of honesty and, and empathy. Um, you know, the whole story is about this kid who's, whose dad is, is very abusive and the kid just wants to get away. But then later in the song, um, he says, you know, I've been, I've been standing for years looking for love, but your bottle's your friend, not me. Hmm. And then he says, like you do, I have to suffer to find, find, find my way home. And it's just like in the midst of this story, which is about this kid hating his dad so much, there are these moments where he seems to be saying he he, he sees in his dad his own pain and he sees this kind of humanity and vulnerability in his dad. And I just I, I really like that. It reminds me a little bit. I mean, they're very different, obviously, but it reminds me also a little bit of House of Pain by, by Faster Pussycat, sure. which is obviously a ballad, but, you know a very tender story about a father and, and son. Uh, so also, I always find really interesting and weird about this song is, you know, the name of the band is obviously Steelheart, and their first album is called Steelheart. Yep. And, but their song Steelheart doesn't appear until their second album. And, <laughs> and usually, like with Bad Company, it's all on the first album, the yep. song, the album, the band name. Um, so, you know, look, I don't know if they wrote this song early or if their second album rolled around and they were like, hey, we better think of a song called Steelheart. But uh, I, I always just thought it was really weird that their song Steelheart didn't appear until their second album. That's awesome, man. I'm going to have to go revisit that one because, like I said, I, I've heard I've heard their albums, but I'm not, not familiar with that one. But that sounds, sounds pretty deep, man. I'm, I'm liking it. All right. So number nine. track here man i got white lion if my mind is evil this is very metallic 
for White Lion. You know this one? I I, I know White Lion, of course, but I, I, I which album is this so from? Th- so this is on Big Game, and it's, okay. it's got a you know it's it's very metallic. It's definitely more metal sounding than anything else on that album. And what's cool about the vocal line on it is he sings like a low vocal. And then the higher one, so he's like doing a lower octave of what he's singing, and the whole song—it's it's typical fare for this time. I think this is when like Jimmy Swagger got busted, you know, like the t- the TV evangelist. So, so like yeah, you know, saying yeah. that this guy is you know critiquing everybody, but his life isn't perfect. You know, it's that kind of a message, but very cool, very metal, and uh, yeah, if my mind is evil, off a of big game. I, I used to love White Lion, and I had all their albums, Big Game and Pride, and I don't remember this song, but I will definitely check it out. Yeah, you got to go back, man. All right, let's hear your number eight. All right, number eight. Look, I as I was preparing my list, Mike, I talked to a couple friends about it, and I have to preface this by saying one of my friends told me I was going to lose all my metal street cred if I put this song on my list. <laughs> But I'm standing by it. I'm standing by it. Do it. (laughs) All right. Number eight. And then I feel like I'm going to have to backpedal and justify myself. Yeah. But number eight is The Rain from Striper. Woo! I like it. Good. Good pick. So look. This is this is from A God We Trust, which is their fourth album, yep. and I feel like nobody really likes this album. And you know, I went back and listened to this album. By the way, by the way, I, I like I, I I am Jewish. There are a million reasons why Striper is not my best. <laughs> not for you. I got not you. My band. I got you. Got you. <laughs> but and, and I went back and listened to this album, and this album is sappy, and some of it barely qualifies as rock, and. And and throughout the album on the on the beginning of um, on the beginning of a God We Trust, which is the first song, and Keep the Fire Burning, the opening like they're kind of doing like this weird Queen thing where they're they're doing like this choral moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got the ballad always there for you. A lot of people hate this album, and I understand why. But but the rain is the last song, and it is just this hard, fast, thrashy, almost punk sound mm-hmm. um and to me it's it's the only real rocker on the album and uh like i said for a million reasons striper is not my band but this song i stand by it man it fucking rocks dude you've lost no credibility huge striper fan uh always talk about striper on the podcast and it, i didn't have this on my list but in my i'm telling you i swear i swear to god <laughs> for all my honorable mentions i've got the rain I've got writings on the wall and the way, all by nice. Striper. They're all very similar type of songs. It's like it's like yeah. kind of like you said. Striper has a couple, at least on the '80s albums, they have their their ballads. Then they have like their their mid tempo poppy stuff, like Calling on You. And then they do their straight up metal. That's like said almost like Iron Maiden ish type of stuff. You know, with the dual leads. And uh, no, you've lost no cred with me, man. The rain is awesome. Love it. Of course, I got my list out of order, so I have to find, I have to scroll through and try to find it here. Uh, <laughs> it's like I just wrote them all over, and then I put numbers by it. But I should I should have organized. Anyways, okay, I found it. Okay, so my number eight, I, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record because it's always like the same bands that I'm always talking about. But... Same album. I got White Snake, Slip of the Tongue. Uh, I love slip of the tongue i talk about it all the time on the podcast um this song is very fast 
and there's a lot of heavy riffs in it, and there's a lot of double bass. Um, I think... I don't think there's much double bass on the 87 album because uh, Tommy Aldridge didn't play on that one, but he plays on this one, and there's just tons of double bass on this song, and, and, and Coverdale's screaming, and everything's just kicking ass, man. So, yeah, slip of the tongue, White Snake. Awesome. I, uh, I, I'm i not going to comment on White Snake right now because they may or may not be coming up on my list in a little while. Uh, I hope they are. That sounds good. <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your seven? Uh, num- number seven, and I... <laughs> The same friend who told me I couldn't put Striper on this list, when I told him this was my number seven, he was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> uh, so, so my number seven, I stand by this Number seven um, is a gift to that rush from Mr. Big. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul Gilbert is just, he's so fast, and I feel like this band, you know, look, I'm not, I am not a musician, I am not a guitar player, even as you, when I listen to you guys talk about the musicianship behind these songs, I, you know, I appreciate it because I feel like you're teaching me, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but Paul Gilbert is an amazing guitarist, and I, I know among guitarists, he often gets a lot of love, but I feel like in the general public, in the general fandom, I, Mr. Big, I think, is often overlooked. And I I discovered Mr. Big uh, because the, probably the way most people discovered Mr. Big, which was which was their ballads, To Be With You and their cover of, of Wild World. And I can remember buying that second tape, le- le- what was it, Lean Into It? Yes, le- yep. Yeah. And, 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 and then going back and getting their, getting their first album. And when I bought it, I was... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline shocked and horrified and impressed all at the same time because I was like, this band is not what I thought they were. But then you listen to it and you're just like, oh my God, these guys are fantastic. And this song was just a great opener to that album and a great intro to that band. And uh, I've always, I've always liked them. Yeah, you know, I've never been big into Mr. Big. <laughs> I just caught myself saying that. I've never been big into Mr. Big. Uh, but I I agree with you. This is a great song by them. It's a fast tune, and it fits the bill. So, yeah, I'm with you on this this track for sure. All right. Well, okay, so my number seven. I'm going with Warren. I love to talk about Warrant, too. Um, yeah. I'm going with Uncle Tom's Cabin because, 
Oh, as love that soon song. as we, you know, we got the, the the acoustical stuff that it starts off with, but as soon as we get the, they didn't see me and Tom in the tree, you know, and they're really crunching, man. It's a real heavy riff. But yeah. kind of like we were talking about before, it's like a lot of these songs will just go there for a moment, like in that part, but then when you get to the chorus, like the main chorus, it, it's pretty poppy sounding of, the, of this uh, of this tune. So I love it, but I do dig that, uh, I dig that chuggy stuff that they're doing in the verses. So yeah, warrant, man. I was always a big Warren fan, and obviously Janie Lane is just an amazing songwriter. And I used to love this song. And one of the things I always love about Warren songs is, you know, I know everybody remembers and sings and talks about Cherry Pie, but to me, the, the best part of a Warren song is they they tell stories. Yes. Um, and this story was always so different from not just other Warrant stories, but stories you would hear in other rock and metal songs. I always loved this song. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you, man. What do you got for six? All right, so number six, I'm going back to the Paul Gilbert well again, but this time I'm going back when he's with Racer X. Ooh. And my number six song is um, Off Second Heat, and it's Sacrifice. Nice. I love this song, and the beginning of it is is so fast and hard, and the song is kind of a weird song. I feel like it changes itself up a lot, and then once you're in kind of the second half, it's just in such a cool groove, and you're rocking out to it. Um, and I also like Racer X. In a weird way, Racer X always makes me think of bands like L.A. Guns, which, whether you're into their music or not, they were Racer X and L.A. Guns were kind of like they were both kind of this nexus of the whole Sunset Strip scene. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody in each of those bands was in a million other bands, went off to other bands. Yep. Um, and it's kind of like the whole scene swirled around Racer X and, and uh, Tracy Guns, LA Guns. Yep. That's awesome, man. You know, like I'm not super familiar with, with Racer X. I know some of their stuff. It's funny because Ryan and I got in a conversation about the song Heart of a Lion by Racer X because... I, I, I would I what you know I I don't yet I still got a CD player in the car I still rock out on stuff and I was rocking out on the Hel Helford live album and there's a song on there Heart of a Lion and I was telling Ryan I was like you got to check out this song man these last three songs on the Helford live are really good and he's like oh that's a Racer X song and then I'm like thinking to myself I go there's no way in hell that that was written by Racer X because it just sounds like a priest tune and then when I looked at it. It was a leftover from Turbo that never made it on, on the Turbo album, and then Racer X actually recorded it. So I was like, I knew this had to be a Halford song because it just sounded like a priest dude. So yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, number six, I gotta go with my boys, Lillian X. Misery loves company. Uh, it's another one of those examples that have a really heavy uh, verse riff, and then we get into more of a commercial-sounding chorus. But the riff, man, I'm telling you, if it was a little faster and a little more distorted, it would it could be done by Megadeth. You know, it just sounds like Megadeth to me, and I just felt like I was like Beavis and Butthead when I just <laughs> when I just hummed out the guitar lick. But uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, number six, man. I'm going with uh, Misery Loves Company by Lillian X. Do you ever listen to Lillian X? Or did you get into them ever? Uh, I do. What's, I discovered Lillian X um, after, you know, probably 
you know, on, if I'm being honest, Mike, it was probably in the last 10 or 15 years I really really started listening to Lillian Axe. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing to me about Lillian Axe is I know they were right in there with all those guys, but to me, they sound much more, if not contemporary, they, to me, they don't sound like they came out of the 80s. Right, um, right. Majority of the music, yeah, you're right. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and I I love them, and um, actually I have some of their songs on my running mix, which uh, my, my, my running mix is my... My, all my all my favorite music um but to me they're always a band that i'm like I, I feel like they're always overlooked and i wish people would go back and rediscover them yeah i'm like i said i'm always pushing them on twitter pushing them on the podcasts podcast i'm just a, i'm a big lillian axe guy as everybody knows so all right brother what do you got let's hear from number five all right number five got Ozzy Osbourne Bark at the Moon. Oh, yeah. That's a killer metal riff right there. Awesome. Right? It's, yeah. It's Jakey Lee's first first Ozzy album. It's fantastic. The video is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got Greg Tannum doing all the all the makeup on there. Um, and also, just as a, little, uh, as a little side note, you know, when Ozzy was in Des Moines, Iowa, um, for his Diary of a Madman tour, which is where he bit the head off the bat, and he was then taken to the, to, I believe it was Mercy Hospital. His the doctor who treated him was my uncle. <laughs> That's awesome. So I am one degree removed from Ozzy. Yeah, you definitely got an Ozzy connection. But you know, and well, the cool thing about this track, I mean, when you, when you listen to Bark at the Moon, it's like the heaviest song on Bark at the Moon. And I think what's yeah. almost deceiving is when you know you listen to this album, you start with that track, you think like you're going to get more of that stuff, and you you really don't, in my opinion. Like that's the best song on the album it's the heaviest song on the album and killer riff number five uh going with tnt uh tell no tales and you know this is off the album of the same name and when when you listen to this album for the most part this is a commercial metal album Ten Thousand lovers in one and all the ballads and everything that are on there but this just totally does not fit on the album. It's super fast. It's super heavy. Real high vocals. It's almost like it sounds like it could be done by Ingve Malmsteen or Queens, early Queensryche or something. But it's a big contrast from the rest of the album. But it's a great way to end. And a lot of the bands would end with a really fast rocker. So TNT, Tell No Tales. That's awesome. I like TNT. I will go back and listen to the song because when I think of TNT, that is not what I think of. Right. Right, exactly. So this is definitely out of the element a little bit for them. I mean, they were a little bit more metallic on the album before that, uh, Knights of the New Thunder. But this is, I don't think they had anything as rocking and as heavy in their catalog as this song. So yeah, you definitely should check it out. I will check that out for sure. All right, buddy. Four. All right, number four, I got to let you gypsy from L.A. Guns. Yeah, yeah, um, good call. I, I was thinking about L.A. Guns myself. Yep, definitely. What, what I like about it, first of all, I mean, this song is, it's so fast, it's so hard. It's also, it's a weird song to me. Like, it doesn't really have a traditional chorus. You know, Electric Gypsy is only sung twice in the song until the very end. Yeah. And I also, I always love the video for this song because they're all they're all singing 
on their motorcycles. Who does that? Like, how do they even hear each other? It's so weird. They're driving down the highway and they're jumping over cars and they're going like 60 miles an hour on their bikes with no helmets and they're singing the song out loud. Um, and, and I don't know where they're going because they're essentially riding into the middle of nowhere in the desert, desert. so that Tracy can play a guitar solo and then they can destroy some instruments and kick over some barrels. Like, there's nothing to this video. <laughs> But it's classic. <laughs> it's classic. It's classic. And also, just like a shout out, because I also really like um, Rip and Tear off Cocked and Loaded. Yeah. Um, and the end of that song is just so insane. I, I wish it was longer, actually. Like, it's, it gets so wild at the end of that song, and I wish it w- would go on, but it, it, but it fades out. But uh, just, a, yeah, that's my, that's my, as Ryan would say, that's my four point one as a shout out to. <laughs> he does LA say Dad. that. Good, good catch. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, I'm glad I, I had that honorable mention of uh, No Mercy. I, no Mercy was actually on my list, and then something came and bumped it off. But yeah, there's definitely some more heavy stuff. I feel like on that first the LA Guns album. Yeah, good call, bro. Yeah, good call. Yeah. All right, number four. guy was just on the podcast, Don Dockin, and I'm going with Lightning Strikes again because this is a super heavy-ass song on an album that's a little bit more on the commercial glam side, Under Lock and Key. You know, he talked about, as, you're, as you'll hear when you, if you, when you check that one out, you know, he talked about the image, you know, like they kind of tried to go with the times and they bought these fancy outfits and then they wore them a couple times and then threw them out because it just wasn't them and just didn't feel comfortable. So when you look at the cover of Under Lock and Key, you think of, of a more glammy commercial band. But Lightning Strikes Again, man, is such a heavy, kick-ass song. I love it. And, uh, yeah. Lightning strikes again. It, it, it is. I almost, you know, like I was rearranging my list up really until last night and almost had tooth and nail on the list. Oh, tooth and uh, nail would, would fit perfectly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately it got, it got bumped off so that I could talk about Jim Gillette's vocal lesson. on YouTube. <laughs> it happens, man. You know, it, it's very hard. Like when you work within a framework and you just have to commit to like 10, or 15, or whatever it is, there's always one song where it's like, oh my god, I wish I could throw that yeah. one in there. Yep. It's, it's not yeah. easy, man. It, as you're seeing. See what we go through when we do this? It's not easy. No, in fact, I found like, narrowing it down to 10 was hard. I, I started with 20 and narrowed it down to hard, narrowed it down to 10. But then almost harder than picking the 10 was organizing the 10 in the right order. Yes. Yep. That was almost worse. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Well, now you're down to the wire, man. What's your three? All right, number three, um, and I, I feel like I'm I'm down to the Captain Obvious picks here. <laughs> but number three, was Skid Row's Slave for the Grind. Oh yeah, um, that whole album is just killer. And it's funny, I was in high school when this album came out, and I loved Skid Row's first album. Um, and, and, you know, Skid Row at the time when I was in high school, like they were great and everybody loved them, but they also had this kind of sheen to them, this reputation that they were a little dangerous, a little badass, you know, Mm -hmm. they were just a little scarier than say Motley Crue. And when Slave to the Grind came out and I first heard this song, I was like, holy shit, this is like, 
this is the most badass music I've ever heard. Who are these guys? I didn't understand that at all on that first album. But but the second, the whole song, the whole album is fantastic. And, you know, also, um, you know, as, as we talk about in the doc and I Want to Rock, this album came out right when Snake, the guitarist, was really going through some of his toughest, darkest times. Yep. And... Um, you know, he, he's talked to me about, you know, in a darkened room is really about some of the tough times he was going through. But even though Slave to the Grind is about something very different, some of the lyrics, you know, the noose gets tighter around my throat, but I ain't at the end of my rope. Like some of the lyrics, I feel like you can really feel what Snake was going through on this album. Yeah. You know, great call with Slave to the Grind. You know, almost there's there's a whole ton of songs off this album that would fit the bill because they're all yeah. just brutal, heavy stuff, man. It is, it's a great album. All right, my number three. I gotta go with Poison, man, and this is one of the only really heaviest songs that they got is look what the cat dragged in you know what i mean this yeah, is, this is the cliche, cliche stuff but you know it's the most metal riff that they've got in my opinion and when you go back and listen to it chad when i listen to it i always feel like it's a shame that they didn't do more tracks like this i don't know why they didn't do more heavy tracks like they should have put like at least two of these on every album because it sounds really cool because it fits that bill of like exactly what we're talking about heavy glam you know so i think it's great i love it you know, the lyrics, you know, obviously Brett's just telling the story about being a badass and, you know, waking up to in the morning with these girls that you didn't remember, being late for work. It's just your typical rock star life with some heavy riffs, some catchy chorus. It's good stuff. It is, it is good stuff, and I hear you. I remember, um, God, I haven't listened to this in forever, but, but also feeling like uh, Flesh and Blood Sacrifice was a little bit heavier than some of the stuff they normally did. I really yeah. like that song and that whole album. Yes, um, me too. But you're right. When they do that harder stuff, it's fantastic. And I figure bands just, they get famous for doing something different. And they I think they some of them just leave that stuff in the dust. Yeah, definitely. All right, number two. All right, uh, number two, I know you and, and Ryan are both big fans of this band. But uh, it, this is not my favorite band, but this song... Uh, I always like and just fought rock so hard. But it's uh, Bad Boys from White Snake. Yeah. Bad Boys is a pretty heavy. You know, you, you, sometimes you forget, like, because, so, like, Here I Go Again and Is This Love are so big, but Bad Boys is a rocker. Good call. Yeah, well, and it's off that album where they really kind of like changed their look from what from what they had been what, from what they've been doing, and really kind of started competing with John Bon Jovi and those guys. Yeah, man, I, I love this song. I'm big. Yeah, yeah, we were always talking. But see, you ever notice we only talk about two White Snake albums? We only talk about '87 and Slip of the Tongue. That's all we talk about. <laughs> it, it's it's true. It's true. And like half the songs on those albums are are, are remakes of their earlier songs. <laughs> And it worked. It worked for the most part. It totally worked. <laughs> so you can't it fault totally them. Totally worked. You can't fault them. No, you can't. And like when you go back and listen, you're like, 
you all, you, I always feel like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm starting to listen to this and be like, oh, the earlier stuff was so much better. Why'd they change? And then I listen to it. I'm like, no, the later stuff is so much better. Yeah, like I heard all the later ones first. So then when I went back and I heard the old ones, like the original version of Here I Go Again, I think it's terrible. Like I don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like the yeah. new one. So same thing with yeah, Crying in the Rain. Like Crying in the Rain yeah. is kick ass. The other, the original version, just not as good in my opinion. So yeah. Oh man, this one, I'm telling you, I, I, I can't get away from it. I just. When I think of these kind of songs, this is the song I go to. And it's Rat, Lack of Communication. Oh, Such a nice. straight up metal riff. Once again, it, you know we do the metal riff, but then we get into the little bit more commercial stuff. Like, time's passing, us by. You know, they get into the, like they're trading off vocals between him and Juan. But, you know, one thing I want to say now that I've already mentioned Poison, I kind of feel like, look what the cat dragged in, kind of kind of ripped this riff off a little bit. Like, oh, interesting. When you go back and listen, because, you know, obviously I was kind of listening to stuff again to put this together. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I can't differentiate these two riffs right now because they're very similar. So I think Rat... Uh, I think Poison lifted a little bit from Rat. But what I want to hear, Chad, I, I want to hear a band like Testament do the cover this song because because I, I, I think it would be great. You know what I mean? Because, I, like I said, it's got that thrashy element to it. I would love to hear somebody like Testament do this track. So, Oh, that'd be fantastic. Probably never would well, happen, I, but... <laughs> Uh, uh, in the in the in the realm of honorable mentions, I almost put Body Talk on my list. Yeah, Body uh, Talk's it was right behind Dawkins' Tooth and Nail, and yeah. it did not quite make the list. Yes, yeah, but another one that's fa- Rat does that fast track a lot. Like I'm thinking of like Chain Reaction, and there's different songs that have that like fast drumming and stuff. Yeah, they got some fast tunes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. I can't wait. This is your number one. What do you got? All right, this is my number one, and uh, look, I chose this. Because I, I really like this song, and I also chose it because I feel like this is where it all began. Uh, and I picked Livewire from Outlet Tool. Great call. Super uh, call. To me, it's just, it's the perfect marriage of a hard, fast riff with kind of glam metal poppiness. Um, you know, it was their debut single off Too Fast for Love. And it really is, I think, where kind of 80s, 80s glam metal begins. It's also the hardest song on the album. It is. Um, talk about, you were talking a minute ago about like the albums that start with something really hard and then they become something else. And everybody always talks about, I have friends who are like, oh, after Too Fast for Love, that band, that band was never as good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like that album starts off with Livewire, which is, fucking awesome and then become something else and then i feel like they go back to, to, to being heavier with with shout at the devil yep um yep but i i love live wire uh, i love that they still play it in concert and uh it's fantastic and speaking of shout at the devil like live wire and red hot always seem to me like they're like partner songs on two different albums yeah right both that fast-paced track and you're right you nailed it because yeah. Because that is, you know, the lead-off song, lead-off single, and then there is nothing else that really is of that pace on the rest of the album. It, but, but, but I love that album. It's a weird. It is a really weird album when you think it, about it. It is weird. <laughs> and like I have a friend who's a big, a big metalhead, and and he always complains about Motley Crue, and he's like, oh, they became so much poppier and so much softer. And I'm like, have you heard Too Fast for Love? Like that whole album after the first song, it's so much softer and poppier. Like, that's who they were from the beginning. 
Yep. Well, in a strange coincidence, uh, Motley Crue is also at my number one, but with a different track. Uh, okay. I got to go with Knock 'em Dead Kid. And oh, God, yes. I'm yes. telling you, man, you know, if if this was a little bit more distorted and a little bit faster, this is like a Metallica or Overkill song. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is that straight-up metal. And it was weird because I wasn't even thinking of this song for this list. And just because sometimes, like, those kind of songs, it's like a no-brainer. I mean, anything on Shout at the Devil could probably fit the bill. You know, Looks the Kill, you know, anything. Like you said, Red Hot. But... You know, sometimes Spotify, you're listening to something and it just pipes in a song randomly, and this popped in. You know, I was like, "Oh my god, this is it, man! This is this is the this epitomizes in my mind what I'm thinking of, like that heavy glam metal." And I had to go with Knock 'Em Dead Kid. Mike, I kid you not. You know, one of the great things about doing this list for you was I went back and just listened to all kinds of albums that I haven't listened to forever. And uh, it was this morning, actually. I, I was like, ah, I'll just go back and listen to Shout of the Devil. And I was just listening to it as I did some work. And Knock of Dead Kid came on. And the thought went through my mind, God, this is a great song. Maybe I should put this on the list. And then I was just like, no, 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 I got Live Wire. And I love Live Wire. And that's where it all began. And so I went with that. But I am right there with you. Awesome, man. Any, uh, and you got any honorable mentions that you want to throw out there uh, that we missed? Well, I mentioned my um, my my rat and uh, Doc, and oh, you know what? Um, big debate between uh, Under the Blade or Burn in Hell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Love both of those. Yep. Almost put some Heaven's Edge on there. Can't catch me. Yeah, you know what Heaven's Edge uh, song that I was thinking about was Daddy's Little Girl. It's got the oh yeah, real chuggy heavy riff. So I thought of all Heaven's Edge. Yep. Yeah. I think it's funny. I was I was brainstorming with my cousin um, over good songs, and, and he had he had suggested "Speed Demon" by Keel, Ooh, and uh, yeah. which is a great song. And for some reason, it, it just cracked me up. I hadn't thought of Keel in forever, and I was like, "Oh my god, that would be such a great one." Uh, so they're a definite honorable mention. I think about Keel like on a daily basis. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I love Keel, man. I love him. <laughs> Last thing I, I think I forgot to ask you: Will you ever do another installment? Because there's a lot more rockers to talk to for "I Want to Rock." Oh God, Mike! You know, from your lips to God's ears, like I would love to. I know that Tyler and Rick and the other producers would love to. The truth is, it's not up to us. Um, it's it's I think up to Paramount Plus and how the show does, and and I don't know honestly if they're even thinking about it in the context of should we do another one? Like it was pitched to them as a three part series. But, I mean, not only are there other rockers to talk to, but, I mean, we interviewed other rockers who honestly ended up on the cutting room floor because mm-hmm. even though their stories were fantastic, we just didn't have room for them. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to do, you know, more episodes of this or a whole other installment or, or, or you, know, I, you know, I'm working on other things right now and they're not rock docs, but... Any any chance to tell more of these musicians' stories would be fantastic. Well, that would be awesome. Well, hey, man, I'm glad that we got to talk uh, about this and we got to do a list, and uh, hopefully we can do some more down the road. I would love that, and thank you so much for having me on, Mike. I, As you know, I've been a fan for a long time, and so it has just been uh, an honor and a blast to be able to come on with you. No problem, brother. Have a good night. All right, you too. Yep, bye. Bye. Well, that was great talking to heavy hair metal tracks. 
Stay tuned, man. Lots of cool interviews and more Lister on the way. Rock on! Rock on!